Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to a new episode of Game Rivals. I'm here with my trusty buddy, co-host, friend, whatever I want to call him today, Maximilian X. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, Sean Templar. How are you doing? I'm really good. Even though it's really shitty weather and still cold, just trying to make the best of it, you know? Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. So it's been uh, quite a whirlwind week, man, for uh, for gaming news. Yeah, lots of Sony related stuff, but still, you know, some sad news in there. But yeah, you know, stuff happens. Yeah, we got to deal with the punches, right? I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I uh, kick off the news? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, man. Well, you might have heard of a certain person called Sean Layden. He's decided to leave Sony, unfortunately. What's with the weird German accent, bro? I have no idea. It came suddenly out of the blue. <laughs> Maybe I should do yeah. the whole episode like that. You know, Maximilian, yeah, we can do this like so, the whole episode. Oh, boy. We don't want to anger our German listeners, man. Do we have German, German, German listeners? I don't know, but if we have German listeners in the future, I'd rather not them be, be pissed off at us. Oh, you, they could consider us me leveling with them. Mm, Anyways, so Sean Layden, <laughs> Sean Layden, president of uh, Worldwide Studios, has decided to leave Sony after almost 30 years of working at the company. Yeah, he started in 1987. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is it came out of the blue. It's, I think Sony tweeted it and didn't clarify yeah. anything so far about it. Which, by, which is the weirdest thing by far, by the way, because even... With other depart high level departures from Sony before, yeah, it is done in a very respectable way during like a press conference or at the very least a press release, yep. you know. But this via Twitter is kind of weird and kind of out of left field, as if this was not something that they were expecting to announce. I don't know because uh, the last thing he did, he was uh, he was really instrumental in the Insomniac acquisition. I heard. But yeah, it's kind of strange that he just leaves uh, after that because that's pretty huge. Well, apparently that's not the only thing that's been going on there at Sony. Man, there have apparently been some quite some shakeups about specifically the PlayStation Five launch, or at least the preparation towards it. I have missed that part. Maybe you can elaborate. Okay, so. Um, this came after this. This news broke after the whole announcement of Sean Layden leaving Sony, and most people thought, "Well, okay, he's been with the company for thirty years, at you know thirty plus years, and just because he was um, Worldwide Studios head for five, people thought, oh, he hasn't been with the company for long. He's been there a long time. You could almost call him a lifer at this point." So the fact that he wants to retire is also, you know, in his 60s, sounds like it makes sense. But apparently there have been internal shakeups when it comes to the PlayStation 5 launch. So that might actually have something to do with it. Even people internally working on 
PlayStation 5 titles at PlayStation themselves don't have the full picture as to what the PlayStation 5 is end up going to be. And uh, this past week, there was an anonymous tip coming from a third party that they weren't getting a lot of information about what the PlayStation 5 is going to be either. Uh-oh. So I'm not really sure what's happening at, 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 at the PlayStation division at Sony, but the fact that Sean Layden decided to leave like this and they decided to announce it through Twitter, taking all of those things into account, it kind of starts to shape an image that either maybe they're trying to rush the PlayStation 5 or they are really trying to hanker, hunker down on keeping secrecy with the, this project. I think it's I a mean, second because when they... Yeah, but, but to do that even towards your own internal teams? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that part, but I can remember like when they did the PS4, they kind of started quickly after the PS3 came out with concepting and talking to developers. And even when they brought out the 4, quickly thereafter, they started talking to developers again for ideas for the Pro. But can't imagine Sony saying, uh, saying maybe a year or two ago, saying, hmm, okay, maybe it's time to work on a PS5. I think work on the PS5 started maybe shortly after either the 4 came out or the Pro came out. Maybe they thought, okay, what is a killer feature we can put into a 5 and what is maybe a a middle way feature we can put into the in the to the pro or maybe the technology they wanted wasn't ready such as ray tracing because this ne- upcoming next gen is all about ray tracing apparently yeah but even yeah but even then i mean the fact that they also haven't really consulted third parties as to what they want in the system from the system I, mean, I can't imagine them not doing that. I mean, they, I think they learned from their last mistake with the PS3. And I think the last thing they want on their hands is to be this arrogant company again. Because basically, Sony makes a lot of money from PlayStation. So they can't afford to be that same Sony they were during the PS3 era. Because, yeah, then people will quickly shy away. Well, maybe. But you have to understand that the PlayStation division is still beholden to the parent company. And the parent company is still run by a bunch of suits that don't get it. So if the if the if the order is coming from higher up, for them to be more secretive and not talk about it, and not share as many details with developers, both internal and external. Yeah, I know that. I don't know, uh, man. It it could cause for some frictions, bro. There's some speculation that they're gonna do a February event again, and that they're gonna re- announce the PlayStation there. I think it's really plausible, seeing as they wanna be out next year in the holiday season. We'll just have to wait for that. I mean, until that time, a lot of stuff is just speculation. And the funny thing is, is a lot of developers have started to talk about the PlayStation, and I I see weekly I see news articles popping around around the SSD. That's going to be a huge game changer. I see stuff around Zen 2 maybe or, or Ray Tracing, but nothing in there saying really... It's more like it looks like developers are speculating or developers are are uh, spreading the word they heard from someone else saying, yeah, yeah, that SSD is really a game changer when it comes to uh, the game development. It's going to really enable us to, to make uh, open world games even better. And like... Yeah, but that's not the only thing that's going to make your game better. And I, I, the last few weeks, every week I've seen an article, and it's a lot of independent, unknown developers to me because I haven't heard a third-party, high-profile developer saying, 
oh yeah, that SSD is going to be amazing or that Zen 2 or whatever it's in is going to be amazing. But a lot of these smaller developers are chattering, kind of like they hear stuff from other people and then spread the word around it. Yeah, but, okay, so I'm saying yeah, but a lot. But here's the thing. So don't you think it's odd, though, that a lot of developers are, anonymous or not, are coming forward and talking about this kind of information? I don't remember them doing stuff like that during the PlayStation 4. Yeah, but the PS4 was different because they came out with the PS4. They came out with the PS4 out of the blue. Because I remember leading up to that event they had planned, nothing around PS4 was known at the time. Not even speculation. They just It was kind of like a bomb they dropped. They dropped it and suddenly everybody was talking about it. Whereas now they did the Wired article. Say they said they're working on PS5. They started talking about PS5 way earlier than normal. And they gave away some key features. So now a lot of people are either speculating or are spreading the word around what they kind of know or hear from friends or colleagues. I think, well, as long as we haven't had an event, nothing is set in stone. I mean, I, I firmly believe it's going to be amazing from a technology point of view. My only concern is pricing. I am afraid that this is going to go towards the starting at four ninety nine category, and you know, I'll buy it. You know me, but I don't know if the average consumer is willing to spend four ninety nine on a console. Yeah, that's true. And I think Sony has a really good, I think Sony can play it off as a really great strategy by saying, if you want 4K, 60 FPS, you want like the ultimate gaming machine, you can buy a PS5 at 4.99. If you want an entry-level 4K machine that does 4K scaling or, I don't know, offers any PlayStation Now thingies, you can buy a PS4 Pro for 2.99 or even a Slim for 1.99. And then they have the whole range covered. Because mm. Sony always does support their uh, consoles 10 consoles years. For, yeah. And, well, let's be honest, a huge title is coming to PS4 next year. Uh, last of Us, we talked about it last episode. Ghost of Tsushima still coming up. So there is still some AAA stuff coming to PS4. Um, so if they play it off from that angle, they have everything covered. It's just that, yeah, um, if you want bleeding edge, you always have to pay a bleeding edge price for it. And that's worries me. But the thing that worries me the most is that they might take a page out of Nintendo's playbook and launch it early. They, I think they all but confirmed that it's going to come out in the holiday season. Historically, they have done a holiday release. The only, thing they, the only times they didn't maybe was, for example, for Europe when the PS3 came out. They came out in March. And um, I think the first PS1 came out later in America. But historically speaking, they always wanted a holiday season release because, you know, that's the most impact you can make. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that they, I'm assuming that like every other Japanese company, their fiscal year ends March 31st. So I guess we'll just have to wait until after that point to see if if it'll hold true or not. Yeah. Speaking about PlayStation Now, I kind of dropped a hint. Um, That's another article that dropped this week. Sony has decided to cut the price on PlayStation Now, finally. Uh, And it went from $19.99 a month, I believe, to $9.99 a month. In the US, yes. Yeah, also in in Europe. Well, in Europe, it was $14.99. Well, it's now $9.99 for a month. It's $24.99 for a quarter. And it's €60 for a whole year instead of €100, which is a pretty sweet deal. 
Um, Holy crap, it was 100? Apparently. Um, you know what? It doesn't matter. It, it's really <laughs> cool that the they did it. That yeah. And they've also uh, added this new feature in which they add AAA games every month. So, for example, this month you can play the latest God of War. You can play Grand Theft Auto Five, mm-hmm. and you can play another AAA game. I got... uh, it was a big game. Just quickly look that up. Horizon Zero Dawn. No. But the thing is that titles rotate in PlayStation Now as well. Yeah. So there's this fixed li- There's this fixed library. Of around uh, 700 plus games, mm-hmm. um, uh, the games are by, by the way, it's Infamous, Second Son, Uncharted 4, yeah, and Grand Theft Auto, the and also God of yeah. War. Um, so they have this library of 700 plus games, and that's PS4, PS3, PS2 uh, in there. And then um, they have, I believe, 400 plus PS4 games that you can play on it, and also download to your console if you want to, which is a nice feature. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also play it on a PC or a Mac through an app, which is also really nice. I hope they kind of focus on mobile devices as well, because we can see that with Stadia and xCloud kind of pushing in that direction, that this is in uh, Oh, God. You just made an X uh, mark. <laughs> X marks the spot. Uh, anyways, um, um, I, I hope they, do also, they also do a mobile push, because I saw that uh, on the later mobile tablets and stuff like that, PlayStation controllers are supported. So that would be a really smart move if Sony played into that market. I know that I would love it to play it on my tablet. Um, and yeah, um, I, the funny thing is Shuhei Yoshida came out on Twitter and said that even he has now opted in for PlayStation now because of the price drop. It kind of scared me because I thought, well, if you work at PlayStation, don't you just get PlayStation now? But apparently he didn't. So he just took out a subscription because it was cheap now. That's weird. That's really weird. That is really weird, especially the fact that he admitted that. Yeah, but you can also see it as a point of honesty, saying like, okay, this I mean, guy's really yeah. honest. I mean, he he has been pretty honest, you know. I, I, That's his power, I've never, I, I've never had a moment where Yoshida-san was saying something or doing something that made me go like, Ah, oh, this guy is ingenuous. He's very genuine. He's kind of like an extra customer support representative. He always says that at events that because he reaches out to people, reach out to him, and he talks to them back. He says, "Oh yeah, I'm the uh, the, uh, the the president or the head of Worldwide Studios, but I'm also part time a customer support representative on Twitter." He always <laughs> jokes about that. That's really funny. And that that guy is hardcore. I mean, I think it was Bloodborne. He has a platinum trophy for Bloodborne. That dude is so hardcore. I mean, there's, there aren't that much executives out there that actually play a lot of games and have time for it. Yeah, including on his competitor systems. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to not be... I mean, I would want to know what the competition is doing. Yeah, true, but he does it because he loves the games on it. Yeah, he has a Switch as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so PlayStation Now, and then we kind of got a shadow announcement around... Red Dead Redemption 2, which is finally coming to PC coming for those people PC, that haven't played it on November 5th. But with a lot of caveats. A lot of caveats, lot yeah. Of caveats. Apparently Rockstar launched their own game launcher two or three weeks ago. So it will be first available there. I think it will also be available on the Epic Game Store. Oh, Get boy. this, it will be available on Steam in December. So it will be available on a host of other platforms. And the last platform it will come to will be Steam. 
in December. You forgot one. Which one is that? It's also going to be available on Stadia at launch. Oh, is it available on Stadia at launch? I thought it was going to come to Stadia later. No, no, it's coming to Stadia's launch. Wow. Okay. Because we still don't have a launch date for Stadia, so it's assuming ru- yeah, that that's before the this, assuming that that is before December. Yeah. Steam. You know what I'm really interested in, and maybe our audience should let us know if that's something we should do. Because I'm thinking. I really want to do a comparison for Stadia, kind of like what is it running off of the cloud and what is it running locally? For example, I would want to know, okay, if I play Red Dead Redemption in Ultra on my PC, I probably won't be able to do that. And how would it look compared to running it in Stadia? Because Stadia is supposed to be this ultimate gaming experience. Kind of sucks, we can't test that though. Yeah, but that's something I would want to test. So maybe if Stadia rolls out, we can maybe do a new segment in which we just compare these games. Yeah, but we won't be able to do that until next year. Unless one of us is stupid enough to buy the Founders Edition. Oh, wait, it's called the Premiere Edition now. Oh, heck no. Yeah. Heck no. That is a jip. Don't buy that one, people. If you see that one, do not buy it. Wait until next year. You know what's funny? Every time we talk about Stadia, we, we end up bashing it. Come on, man. No, but I, just... like besides the first episode we did around in which I was super enthusiastic and you were skeptical. Besides that episode. No, no, but besides that episode, every episode since far, we've just been bashing Stadia. Yeah, because they. I kind of like it. Stupid decisions. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, Stadia's our personal punching bag now? I, I don't know, as long as they keep making these weird decisions in which they first say, we want to be the Netflix of gaming, and then they say, no, 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 consider us like Xbox Live or PS Plus. Oh, man, Th- that is even stupider, yeah. man. At least, with, at least when people thought they were going to be the Netflix in gaming, it had yeah. some worth to it, whether or not I was skeptical about it or not. I am... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, I got access to GeForce Now this the other week, so that's NVIDIA's oh, streaming platform. Yeah, so I tried to... Uh, kind of months ago, I still haven't heard anything. Yeah, I got my email uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, I wanted to uh, uh, try Total War Three Kingdoms out, because I thought, no, oh, maybe I can play this in 4K Ultra. But uh, for some reason, the way it works, and I haven't played it yet, but the way it works is it looks at your, you open up a launcher and then you say which game you want to play or which game you have in your library. And then it makes you log into your Steam so it can verify that you have the game. But for some reason, it wanted to install that game on my computer or something. I didn't, Uh yeah, I don't know. I was confused at that part and that part was late. Wasn't it already installed on your computer? Yeah. So I think it's, kind of doing a virtual PC install. I don't know, because at that point I was so confused that I thought, you know what? I'm not in the mood for this right now. Let me just look at this another time. And it was three days ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you should get on that. Though. I'm emotionally unstable lately, so I can't deal with a lot of change. So uh, mm. a lot of things have changed. Just kind of I'm like, oh, I'll just do something else. Right. I'm not emotionally unstable, by the way. I'm just really tired <laughs> and I'm uh-huh. impatient for stuff. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. I'm not a loony. Uh, <laughs> uh, sure about that? Destiny 2 Shadow Deep dropped this week. Yep. I haven't played it, but I hear, <laughs> hear it's pretty awesome. Oh, well, we lost one of our friends to it recently. Unfortunately, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I heard it's uh, it 
the first two seasons, I believe, went free to play. So you can pick up Destiny either, I believe, on PC and you can carry over your saves and cross play or whatever, cross saves. Or I haven't really, the only time I played Destiny 2 is when it came out and I finished the campaign with friends and I never touched it again. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't want our yeah. friend to get hurt, but you know, I don't have the level oh, of dedication. Please. He's too he busy playing Destiny 2 to be even listening to us, probably, right now. Probably. He knows but, who he is. Yeah. But I will say this, though. At least uh, I'm not into Destiny 2, so I have no idea. But according to him, the roadmap for Destiny 2's um, content from this point onward is pretty packed and it's pretty consistent. Way yeah. more even when they were with Activision, yeah. which back, like triggers a lot of questions with me. One, was this something that Activision blocked or is this something that they feel that they should be doing now because they're free from Activision? Two, if they had these kind of ambitions before, why didn't they try to, why didn't they try to achieve it when they still were in the deal? And three, how are they able to afford this? I honestly don't know. Maybe they, I don't know. As far as I know, I know their roadmap is, I think they want to do an expansion every year. And in between, they want to fill those gaps with a lot of booster packy content. And it, it's not always yeah. paid content. It's a lot of free content because they don't want to segment the audience. And I believe, yeah, but, they do, uh, but they do want to give the people that pay 40 bucks for an expansion their money's worth. Yeah, yeah. So that's why those expansions are also jam-packed. And I think you can also get something like a season pass that guarantees you a lot of stuff. At least that's how they used to do it when they were part of Activision. Um, I don't think they have a season pass now, though. I think it's just the expansion. I honestly don't know. Maybe we should get it. It's just that, I don't know. I played a lot of Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. I really like the single player because it actually was a good single player compared to the first one. And I have a few friends harassing me constantly saying, oh, I wonder I'm going to play Destiny 2. Does this also, like when you say the first two seasons are available, does this also include for all platforms? That I don't know, to be honest. I know on the PC, because it's... I, because, uh, because, I have, because I have it on PlayStation Plus. So, I mean, if the first two seasons are out, I'd be willing to ch try and check out as far as I can get. We can try that out. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't know if we talked about this, but after that episode, we talked about the Modern Warfare beta. We mm -hmm. played a lot of Modern Warfare that evening. and uh, Oh, yeah, we played a lot oh, of Modern yeah, Warfare. Oh, yeah, that was really fun. If you, if, if, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I suggest you do, because we do go into, into depth as to our experience with Modern Warfare. And then afterwards, as Sean just said, we played a lot more afterwards, which was really fun. Yeah, I like because we played a lot of realism. Oh, I love that. Is, I think it's called that now. Realism. Yeah, it's, it was called hardcore and order games, yeah. and now it's called realism. Oh, I realism. love it. I love it. Yeah, that was that was intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a kill death ratio. I don't remember that game, but there was this one game that I you had a really high. I kill had death a ratio. six point oh kill death ratio. I yeah. almost finished I the match. That one. Without getting killed once. I was constantly got, sneaking around. You ended up getting killed three times in that. Man. I think so, and That's yeah. the only reason why your kill death ratio wasn't high. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. I think I have a recording of that on my PlayStation. Nice. Uh, we should actually upload that. Yeah. Oh, it's almost... Oh, it, well, it's coming out in two weeks. No, in 20 days it's coming out, so I can't wait. <laughs> Speaking of uploading, quick side note here. Um, 
we just uploaded our very first video onto our YouTube channel, which is, if you just look up, uh, look us up, we're Game Rivals. And our first unboxing video is live there, and it's none other than the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening European version of the limited edition, which uh, I did an unboxing of. Uh, it's up there. If you just look up Game Rivals Unboxing Legend of Zelda, you'll be able to find it there. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that. I hope I'll get to do more of these in the future, but eh, that depends on how well things go here and, you know, budgetary rise and time-wise and stuff. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. Were you able to watch it, Sean? Uh, I did watch, I believe, the half of it. I'm looking at YouTube right now, and it says I watched still the half of it. <laughs> of course. Your amazing uh, voice uh, soothed me so much that I just fell asleep. Oh, jeez. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching it and then somebody talked to me. That just makes it sound like I was boring. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I was I was watching it and then somebody said, oh, what's that? And I was like, look, it's an unboxing. And then that person started to talk to me about Link's Awakening. And then I couldn't watch the video anymore oh. because I was stuck in a conversation about Link's Awakening for 30 minutes, which I still haven't well, played. Well, I apologize. Well, I beat the game. So if you want to borrow it, it's yours to That's borrow. good to know. Um, let's see if there's one more thing left on our news list, and that's that Ghost Recon Breakpoint came out, mm-hmm. uh, and it's Ooh, not it's yeah. not getting a lot of good reviews, nope, because it feels more like an expansion pack compared instead of a whole game. They still say that it's really fun, but kind of s- suffers from the same issues the first one had. That if you play it in co-op, it's really fun. If you play it alone, it's okay. Um, oh, I heard that it had a whole slew of new uh, new additional issues. It, uh, it, there's a lot mostly, of bugs in there. and Well, mostly to do with the gameplay and basically how it's trying to mesh a bunch of gameplay styles that don't work in the, in, in, in the situation yeah, they're in. I think they looked at their game's portfolio and thought, oh, maybe we can add this mechanic and that mechanic and that mechanic and that mechanic from those games, and then we have a whole new game. And unfortunately, the game is apparently riddled with microtransactions. Yeah, it's literally pay to win. Yeah, yep. I see. You see, I don't understand. Ubisoft was kind of like this. Um, how to put it? You know, we always knew EA was a. At least a lot of people always pretend EA is a bad guy, and Activision doesn't actually have a lot of games to show besides the regular stuff they always do. And Ubisoft was always this company that took risks and did some really cool stuff, but lately it almost looks like. The only thing they're thinking about is the money. It's almost like Eve's Gimo is constantly sitting behind his chair, screaming at all at all his employees, show me the money. And then they come up with stuff like my transaction. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's not it's not all the projects that are like that with you. No. At least this I don't is hope the so. Weirdest thing. I mean, they took a huge risk with Starlink Battle for Atlas. Yeah. That was a huge risk, especially since it came out at the tail end of the whole Toys to Life fad. Maybe they need so, to make back the money they blew on that game by putting microtransactions in all their games. But the funny maybe, thing is, The I Division, for example, is not riddled with microtransactions. Thank you. See what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's like, why it's that a strange doesn't move. Have it. Last time I checked, um, or Honor doesn't new... have it. No, it doesn't um, have it either. Well, the Rainbow um, Six Siege doesn't have it. They just do a season pass every year, which is super successful. Yeah. So what? Like what gives? I don't know. I, well, there's another game coming out after this called Watch Dogs Three. That game's riddled with uh, 
uh, I honestly, if that one is riddled with microtransactions, I don't even know where to get the gall to pull that off. Yeah, because especially considering how the game is supposed to work. Yeah, maybe it'll uh, give you lives, and if you die, then you have to buy a new life or something. Nah, man, don't just bait people, man. That's just low. Yeah, but uh, for example, a lot of countries are cracking down on things like loot boxes and possibly microtransactions. So. It's not like it's a super safe and secure payment method for you as a company because, you know, certain countries don't like it. I believe here in the Netherlands, it's considered well, I mean, gambling, uh, loot boxes. Well, it's, it's illegal here and in Belgium. Yeah. So that's why a lot of, a lot of uh, mobile games have stopped functioning here. And a lot of games that do have loot boxes have to take them out. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, apparently the game is uh, riddled with uh, bugs and microtransactions. Um, I saw a preliminary review on IGN and they said if we were to rate it right now, it would be a 7. Whereas I think Yubi was aiming at a 9 or at least hoping that it would get a 9. Um, I played a, the alpha, which was in an early state. I couldn't say a lot about it because I was under an NDA, but... Um, I played it with a buddy of mine and we both had the same feeling saying, hey, this feels a lot like Wildlands. It's just a little bit prettier or it's just a little bit more, has a bit more extra mechanics, but it didn't feel like a whole different game. Whereas, for example, with the Division 2, we had this, oh my God, we really want to play this. When is this coming out for you? Yeah. Um, so that's a shame because, you know, Ghost Recon, I, I liked the first one. Um, but yeah, you have to play it with somebody. If you don't do that, it's really boring. That just makes it sound like RE5. Yeah, well, I played RE5. RE5 had RE5 had a similar problem, but the only reason why you wanted to play with a friend is because the AI was just stupid. <sighs> I played it alone. I did finish it, but you know. I mean, you can play it alone if, as long as you don't give her ammo. <laughs> wow okay well i know i don't have to be in a zombie apocalypse with you because you'll probably not give me ammo i'll give you ammo as long as you're you know useful with it instead of emptying clips at a time dang man that uh, ai uh, anyway um there are a few little things that i want to hit up before we move on to the next segment um this past friday we had a 24-hour pokemon stream um on one of the Galarian regions. I forget the name real quickly. It's kind of not important. But basically, the whole premise was it's a scientific study of this region because there are unique Pokemon there. And after 24 hours, we only saw one new Pokemon. Oh, what did they do in the stream? Was... Because did they just play the game or? No, no, no. This was not a stream of the game itself. It was a a region in the game and they basically made an animated gif where they played um ambient noises for 24 hours what? and and once in a while something would happen like you'd see a flickering of a light rustling in the bushes and sometimes you would see a pokemon most of the time it would be a pokemon that we already knew existed like for example pikachu or impadimp or which funnily enough impadimp is a new pokemon and we know it exists, but the the Pokemon company has not acknowledged it, and you can't find information on it on the Sword and Shield website, which is really weird. Okay. But um, 
yeah, so you see like all these Pokemon doing their things. And then once in a while, you'd see like a flash of this weird Pokemon that hasn't been announced yet. But after a few a few of these things happening throughout the 24-hour thing, people already kind of figured out that it's probably uh, um, a uh, a Galarian form of the of the Kanto Pokemon Ponyta, which is this fire Pokemon, which looks like a cute little pony that's on fire. Oh. Um, so yeah, at the end of the stream, they finally showed two of them prancing around, being all adorable and stuff. They look really adorable, and they look fluffy AF. As 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 can be, but um, twenty four hours just for that, kind of not necessary for one Pokemon. So so it's like wow. I mean, it's a great it's a great marketing strategy, but there were people that were watching that stream for nineteen hours, and some even for the full twenty four. So. I don't know, man. I don't know if that was worth it, man. I just watched like a, a the first four hours or so, and then the last hour I tried to grab some of it, and then I was like, you know what? Game Explain is doing this live stream. I can catch their repeat anyways, and they'll probably recap it anyway. So I ended up doing that instead. It's still not on the website yet, I think, but I'm pretty sure they're gonna update their website soon with uh, Galarian Ponyta's. Uh, information i'm but uh what's gonna happen with this pokemon because i know a lot of people have mixed feelings with pokemon let's go so i hope they bring well, it home it, it was mostly positive pokemon let's go i mean way more positive than i think most people were anticipating considering that it was a remake but it was a well-made remake all things considered plus they needed to do something like this so that the team gets a handle on how to make a game for a console instead of a handheld and it is also it is also obvious because the last time they had a new pokemon game they were really front loading the fans with a lot of information and the game's coming out in about a month and we still don't know the the evolution lines of the starter pokemon which by this time three years ago i want to say three yeah three years ago we already knew what the starter Pokemons were going to look like in their final form. And we still don't even know that. So, yeah, I mean, they're keeping a lot to their chest. They had a really big um, cover story on uh, on Game Informer. Yeah, it's the whole month, right? So, yeah, for the whole month. So I'm actually going to see if I can get more of the written information in there. They had this weird mis- misquote where they thought that... Um, Across both games, there are going to be 18 gyms instead of the standard eight. Okay. So that that was weird. Um, apparently, it's not going to be that. Well, we still don't know the final count, but basically what they did say is that there's going to be a major league and a minor league, kind of like in soccer. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I'll just wait for uh, your review, and then uh, I'll decide if I want to play it or not. Oh, I'll give my review. Don't worry about it. Um. To what lesser uh, news, though, apparently people are truly experiencing Joy-Con drifts in their Nintendo Switch Lite. Yeah, I saw that. I saw even that a... they applied and they did, they what, I don't know how the process works, but if you want to release a device, you have to apply for that through the FCC or something in America. 
and they applied for a new switch light through the FCC. Oh, yeah. People actually figured out what that was. That was not a new revision of the switch light. Oh, what was it? That, that, that was for the development kit for the switch light. Oh, okay. Because I thought, oh, wait, maybe this is a sign that they're working on a revision for the switch uh, light. Now, they, they did some sleuthing and they figured out that the, that the product number um, is similar to other, like, the test units okay. for 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 that. So basically, um, you have the development kit, and then you have the the hardware where you can actually run um, like master master code on it. Yeah, that's what it is. And what are gonna what are they gonna do around the drift issue? I think what they've been doing all along is send it in and have it fixed. But if you, you have send to send it in, in the whole switch light, do you get yes. a f- like, do you get the same Joy-Con, or do they put in a revised Joy-Con, or...? I don't know, because I I haven't seen any reports of people sending it in and getting it back, so I don't know. You had Joy-Con drift, someone... right? Yeah, but I have regular Joy-Cons, so I, go, I only have to send it the Joy-Con. Okay, but did you ever experience drift after that? Yeah. So based, then maybe they're just giving you the same Joy-Cons? Well, no, because the last time they said they found damage, so I had to, so they actually replaced it with brand new ones. The first time I did it, though, um, actually, no, no, that's not true. The first time I sent them in was after I sent it in initially for the connection issue that the launch switches had. Oh, the launch switches had connection issues? Yeah, with the Joy-Cons. Apparently, um, it wasn't shielded properly, so they added like this shielding foam oh, wow. to prevent to prevent that from happening. But after that, I did get drift issues, but that was like a year later. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, the fact that people are experiencing it now is actually kind of a problem. Well, let's look at what it will bring and what the solutions will be, because it's, I mean, if you spend 229 on the Switch Lite, you don't expect that to happen. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you get it under the Christmas tree or whatever. Exactly. So let's hope they fix it or whatever it is that they're going to do for the Switch Lite because that is not what people are paying for. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Shall we wrap this puppy up? All righty. Stick around. We will be back with what we have been playing. And we're back with what we've been playing. So, um, I'll just nip this one in the bud and talk about what I've been playing, if you don't mind, Sean Templar. The floor is yours. Cool. So, um, it's been a challenging couple of weeks uh, since the the last episode. Um, I've been finishing games basically every couple of weeks now, um, with the exception of uh, Astral Chain, which I still need to beat. Um, I haven't played that one in a while because I've been busy focusing on Link's Awakening. Beat that on the day Dragon Quest Eleven S came out. So I had the day off. I had the day off before that. So I just powered through Link's Awakening. This is the first time I've actually beaten Link's Awakening. Never beat it on the Game Boy. Never beat it on the 3DS Virtual Console. So this was my First time experiencing the whole game from start to finish. And let me just say, Link's Awakening 
It's pretty rad. How many hours did you take to finish? Mm, it doesn't really keep a count of the hours, I think. But I, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say maybe 20, 24 hours or so. Yeah, because I spoke to someone at work and he said, it's a game you can finish in 10 hours. And it's not a game that might be worth the 60 bucks for the 10 hours you get. True. It is a remake of a Game Boy game. So it is tailor-made for mobile gaming, so for handheld gaming. So it is bite-sized and easy. But the reason why the original game lasted as long as it did is because it is inherently slow by design. And by design, the remake makes a lot of quality of life changes. You don't shift when you move from um, screen to screen. The screens are based the world is basically open in a in a sense where there are no the only time when you have a loading segment, as it were, is when you're going into a house or a dungeon mm-hmm. or when you're using the warp. Other than that, the whole overworld is basically open for you to explore, as long as you have the right tools to explore. And the dungeons are also relatively open. They're not as segmented as they used to be in the original game, because the original game, every segment was literally a square room. So, wow. You In most cases, you lack that transition. In some cases, it still exists by design. Um, but yeah, it, it is a way more breezier experience. Um, it is a very pretty game, as I've already said before. It looks very diorama-y. And like, the I, saw it, uh, just... with the, I saw it at work. Somebody was playing it in handheld mode and it really looked uh, cartoony and cute and I don't know. Yeah, and it works in both. Like in handheld mode, it looks really nice. Blowing up on your TV screen, it looks really nice. The only downside is, of course, some places have some minor uh, uh, frame rate drops. There's one particular area in the game that has it the worst, but most other places, it's not that bad. I mean, it doesn't hamper the gameplay that much, and only in that one place early on is where you have the issue the most. Um, I did have to venture online for a couple of things because I got stuck, and I honestly wanted to finish the game so that I could play Dragon Quest XI. <laughs> so I looked some, at some places I looked some stuff up, especially with the last dungeon. That was a bit of a challenge um, because there was some really weird stuff and I really couldn't figure it out. So I caved and just looked, uh, looked specifically those things up. And the final boss was also a bit of a challenge, but I didn't look that one up. Um, and it the ending is really bittersweet. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for people that haven't played it yet, but let's just say um, you have to finish the game and there's a reason why you have to finish the game. But finishing the game also means the end of a lot of things in the game. What? That sounds like a really cryptic message. Thing. You have to finish the game because you have to finish the game. 
that's, I mean, that's why we play a game to finish the game. You yeah, know, it's like it, uh, I'm talking. I'm talking in 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 terms of the story. Is that um it the the, ga- the game forces you to complete your mission, but you kind of figure out a little about halfway through the game that if you do something bad is gonna happen, but at the same time you're kind of forced to do it. Otherwise you won't be able to continue as link. So, wow, okay. Now I'm yeah. extra curious. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't played the game, I don't want to spoil it for people. Um, even though it's a 23, 23 plus year game. Let me yeah. put it this way. Cause I, I actually honestly don't know, but cause I haven't mm-hmm. played a Zelda game besides breath of the wild. Mm-hmm. Are the Zelda games in the whole franchise, are they connected in a way or are all, all the games or some games like separate games in the same <laughs> universe? Or so, is this a question I can't ask because there's no basic simple answer to it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know. Do you want the short version? <laughs> Give me the short version because otherwise we'd be talking for three hours. Okay. The short version is Nintendo didn't technically never acknowledge that there was a timeline until... A couple of years ago, when they when they brought out the Hyrule Historia, since then the timeline has been revised at least two times: once when Breath of the Wild came out, and once when uh, Link's Awakening came out. So yeah, there is a timeline, but honestly, don't bringing up don't bring it up with, uh, amongst hardcore fans. And the fact that we brought up even the timeline alone in this conversation will have people raging. Hey, I don't know. Time. I'm just asking because I'm curious. It's not a one story that bad people. Sean wanted to know. Sean Tepler wanted to know. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. Well, so. cry me a river for being <laughs> interested. Yeah. You know what? Now so, I'll not ask anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine to ask. It's fine to ask. It's just um, uh, Zelda fans are mm, kind of picky when it comes to the timeline so yeah um (laughs) but uh yeah so like i said like i hinted already uh before i played dragon quest 11 s uh the day after it came out because when i finally beat zelda it was late and i was a little tired plus i already played the demo to completion which is the first 10 hours of the game so is the demo 10 hours yep what the, the game? The demo is the first ten hours of the game. Whoa, so that's a big finish, demo. Yeah, and the save file transfers. I know. Whoa. Yeah. So it's a very good strategy because oh. yeah, now I'm I was very prepared going into it. Which how long was the main game? The main game is depending on how depending on who you asked if they played the previous version, um, about seventy to hundred. What? Well, then uh, 10 hours is nothing. Then it's a really smart exactly. strategy to hook you in. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. What? So, but I have had, but after that, I had barely any time to play Dragon Quest Eleven. So I'm only about 20, 20, 21 hours in now. Damn. So I've played about 10, 11 hours in the past week or so, which is not a lot. If you think about it, I've, I've, I've beaten a couple of bosses now. I'm already doing the next dungeon, essentially, and going to the next boss. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. It is really cool. Like from a from a JRPG perspective, Dragon Quest is the most vanilla that you can get. But even, I mean, I guess because it's the 30th anniversary of the franchise, 
they really pulled out all the stops, especially for this version of Dragon Quest XI. Because as I said before, you have the 2D mode. And I haven't switched to the 2D mode yet myself, but there is a part of the game that is specifically in 2D mode, and that was actually a lot of fun. Um, it's this part where you travel to this village of creatures that harbor the the timeline of Dragon Quest. Like, Dragon Quest also has a timeline. And Are fans really picky if I bring that up as well? Or, uh... No, that one not, because that one is actually defined by the makers of oh, the game. Thank so, God. <laughs> unlike the Zelda time. Anyway, um, they did this really cool thing where uh, some monsters are disrupting the, the, the flow of time, and specifically the 10 previous game worlds. So you get these things called past words as in past not password but past words um and you use those words to travel to a specific point of time in those games in 2d mode which is basically this 16-bit style dragon quest like like it was on the super nintendo and it looks really cool and it's really fun to play and see all these characters again and being in that environment and it's done really well nice like re- it's it's really pretty. Like if if you were to play Dragon Quest Eleven in two D mode all the way, it would basically be the best Super Nintendo Dragon Quest game you've ever played. Okay, but since you can also play in three D mode, it's also the best three D Dragon Quest game you've ever played. Plus, they added like a whole bunch of um, uh, what do you call them? I just said the word again. Quality of life improvements. You can speed up the the you can speed up the battles, so you don't have to waste a lot of time during the battle. So if you want to grind, you can actually grind without feeling like you're wasting time. And the level balancing is easy. They added custom outfits that you can put on your characters without it actually influencing their stats, which is also really cool. Because now I look like the hero from Dragon Quest VIII, and one of my characters is wearing this adorable little warthog outfit. Oh, <laughs> she looks really cool because she has pigtails on and <laughs> it's sticking out of the out costume. And one of them has this really badass Lupin style outfit. So he looks like this cool ass thief. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool game. I'm still only 20 plus hours into it. I'll keep you guys posted when I finally finish it. I'll give my final verdict on dragon quest 11 but suffice to say i am really enjoying dragon quest 11 so i've been playing that but i also gotta start on another game in preparation of a game that we talked about last week which is the last of us remastered on playstation 4 ironically enough a couple of months ago i actually bought a copy of the last of us remastered before you know, we got the announcement that The Last of Us Remaster is coming to PlayStation Plus. But it doesn't matter because apparently The Last of Us, the Last of Us Remaster doesn't have a really big install file. Lucky you. Lucky me because <laughs> I was getting so tired of that. I already <laughs> deleted stuff in preparation. And then I put the disc in and then the, the, the Farkas Brower went zoop. <laughs> 
<laughs> done. And then it started downloading some updates, and I was like, "Wait, that's it? Oh, uh, okay." A lot of so Sony I just waited until the updates were done. Like, why? If you can do this, why do you keep torturing us with bullcrap installations? Ah, oh. you should upgrade oh, your hard drive. Yeah, I know. I really should. But I got in. I didn't play a lot though. I played about an hour and a half. Kind of a slow start, but really pretty. It's um, really pretty. It runs at sixty frames per second, and it kind of took me aback a bit when I saw it. I think that on the PS3 it didn't run at sixty. I think it's because of the PS4 that it can do it because it can also I run think, at four K in PS4 Pro. I think so too, and I think since the original game was not made for sixty frames, it feels a little bit too fluid. Yeah, I play, yeah. I played the original on the PS3, and then I bought it on PS4, but I've never actually finished it on PS4 because. I thought, you know what, I've finished it on PS3, but now 2 is coming out. I'm thinking about playing it before it comes out. Yeah, so I've already reached the point that um, that Joel's introduced to uh, Ellie. Mm. Um, and they've had a little bit of talking time in between. But so I, awkward I have they have this on. tension in the beginning. Yeah, but one, I kind of get where that is coming from because... Yeah, the opening was really sad. The oh wow, oh, wow, that's why I love that game wow. because it's the opening just... was really gosh darn depressing. Yeah, I know, but that's what makes that game so amazing because it's because if you really think it's because if you really think about it, if for those who have played, you know, The Last of Us, you know the in, the introduction is where um, Joel's daughter dies because of the in his arms in his arms. And I knew that that was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Yep. I didn't know it was because of some idiot taking orders from a higher up soldier that shot his his AK whatever at them and got her instead of getting Joel. And I was like, wow, that is so messed up. Mm -hmm. Because at the very least, if it was because she got... Get by what are they called in this liquors? Uh, um, you have different mushroom kind of, heads. Uh, enemies, know. but the, one of them is a clicker. Yeah, which is a really scary one because they work. Yeah. They move based on sound. <laughs> ah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, but I thought it was because of one of those things. But the fact that it was done because of, well, what would you call it? A human error. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it that. That's just that was so sad. I know. So I get why he's that bitter old dude. Plus, also, I did not know it made a twenty-year jump. By the way, yeah. Oof. Trust wow. me, this is one of the best games on the PS3, if not the best game on the PS3. And we had a lot of good games on the PS3. I mean, I love the Uncharted franchise. This was kind of like the. The the last big game that kind of ended the PS3 era. I remember when it came out at the time, it got a lot of tens on uh, mm -hmm. on the reviews, and it's well worth that. And it even had packed in multiplayer, which was also really nice. Because generally, yeah, I don't play these games for multiplayer, but even the multiplayer was fun. Yeah, I saw. Oh, this game has multiplayer. I don't know if it's actually okay. working or not, but I remember that. With... I'm assuming that the remastered version is still working, not the PlayStation yeah. version. Though. The Last of Us 2, for example, is getting 
is not getting multiplayer initially, but they're going to do a multiplayer spin-off, which is going to come out at a later date because they were so, they loved the factions mode and and apparently the community was really uh, supportive of that mode, so that they're going to spin it off as a completely separate mode. Or I think game. they did. I think they did it because they ran out of time. I don't know, but uh, hell, let just give us the last of us two. Yeah. All right. So, Sean, that's all I've been playing. What have you been playing? So, I played some Battlefield Five again. The Operation Underground map dropped this week for people that don't know. Operation Underground is a remake of Operation Metro from Battlefield Three. Um, it's basically the premise is that this huge bomb drops, I think, in the middle of Rotterdam, which opens up the subway station under the city. I don't know if Rotterdam had subway stations at that time, but anyways, um, I don't know either. Yeah, you can go underground. You have uh, this huge, massive layout, um, a lot of vertical combat. Um, there are, I think, two modes. Conquest, which is basically capture three flags and hold them until the enemy's tickets are down. And there's this mode called Breakthrough in which you have an area you need to defend and the other team needs to take that point over and then you get pushed back and then you transition to, into another part of the map. So the map gets chopped up into four or five sections. And you constantly fight in one area until you either deplete the enemy's tickets or they take over the point or the sector, as they call it. Um, I really like this mo- uh, this map. It's really fun. It's really close quarters combat. So I was constantly grabbing SMG and spraying and praying and killing everybody with my SMG as a medic. I had these mm-hmm. instances and I just kamikaze style went at enemies and killed five or six enemies and I got shot down. Um, I'm really getting that Battlefield 5 feeling back again, so I really like it. The, f- the game from a... Uh, technical point of view, uh, in the first few matches, I was having issues with the frame rate or it was stuttering or connection issues. I don't know why. I played a few matches yesterday, which was totally fine. I'm just afraid that with Call of Duty around the corner, when that comes out, a lot of people are going to jump ship because Battlefield, it's almost out for a year and it's still not in a place in which it's a stable experience with a lot of incentive to come back. It's that I'm a diehard Battlefield fan and I love the combat and I love the the feel of Battlefield. But I'm going to be honest with you. I am going to switch to Call of Duty if it comes out later this month. And I I hope I can be, I'll be back when the Pacific comes out. But I honestly don't know because the way it's it's going right now, it's it's not doing it for me. Oh, that is not good, especially coming from a diehard fan like you. Yeah. Um, besides Battlefield, I played. I also played the Dragon Quest XI demo. Um, How far did you get? I, I think mean, I'm in one hour right now. Ooh, wow, that's nothing. Yeah, I just downloaded it on my Switch and I was playing it randomly, and I I like it. It's just that when I looked up, I was thinking, okay, should I buy this game on the Switch or should I buy this game on the PS4? And we had this conversation. We had this conversation. On the PS4, it's 30 euros right now. On the Switch, it's 60 euros right now. And all yeah, the reasons you told complete. me. Yeah, but I don't care about the 2D mode or the Japanese voice cast or the orchestra. It's 30 euros difference. Plus, it's prettier on the PlayStation. Yeah. See, that's, yeah, so I'm in a doubt right now. I like the game so far. It feels like those Final Fantasy RPGs 
to me. Yeah, but see, you don't see that's the thing. You don't have the quality of life differences that I just talked about, though. I played the Switch version, so I. Yeah, so you haven't you haven't fiddled with the quality of life stuff that is on the Switch version and only on the Switch version. Okay. You don't have the speed up. You don't have to sped up um, battles. You don't have the ability to run. You don't have the ability to call your horse whenever. Wow. And these are not features they can just patch into the in the PS4 version. No, these are features they specifically made for the Switch version. So even though it came out a whole year later, they decided that this version was going to have all the quality of life stuff. I still don't understand why you cannot add these features to a. Oh, they probably could, but they decided not to because you know Square Enix, Japanese company, wants to make money and. If they did that, then you'd have people like you just picking up the PlayStation 4 version for cheap and getting the free updates. But I'd be a happy customer and I'd be willing to come back and buy Dragon Quest 12. Right now I'm thinking, you know what? I'll just wait for you to finish the game and then I'll borrow it off your hands. <laughs> Bam! I just saved myself 60 bucks or 30 bucks. Hooyah! <laughs> Anyways, I like it. It really looks nice and stylish. It is. It yeah. is. I mean, it's a Kira Toriyama art, so you honestly can't go wrong with that. So, uh, yeah. I also yeah. played um, Dauntless. I don't know if you know that game. I know the game. I mean, when they first, on little side note, when they first announced Dauntless coming to PC, it was around the time when people were like, everything must come to the Switch. So I actually sent them a tweet from, is this also coming to Switch? Because it looks really cool. And they replied, um, not at the moment, but never say never. Oh, that's nice. So when the Switch version got announced at, I think, this year's E3, I went back to that tweet. And then I replied to, yeah, you guys kept your end of the bargain. But that tweet was from 2017. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long bargain. <laughs> that is that is a long ass waiting game. But honestly, I can't wait until it's out. Unfortunately, it's not out on Switch yet. Yeah, so it's out on PS4, and I played the uh, PS the PC version when it was in open beta, and I downloaded it a while back ago on my PS4. It's the 1.0 version, and then I thought, well, you know what? Let me just play because it. it was sitting there installed on my hard drive, and. I like it more now compared to the open beta because it's so... And I, for people that no, don't know, the game is made by ex... I think Bioware people? It was a studio founded by a lot of people that came out from Bioware. And it's this really cool, stylish, cartoony, kind of Asian-inspired look. Uh, it's basically a Western Monster Hunter. And the part that I love is it's a lot more accessible than Monster Hunter. I know that Monster Hunter is a lot more expansive and has a lot more features and, and options, but I kind of got overwhelmed with Monster Hunter World in the beginning, and that's probably the reason I never started playing it after that. Whereas with Dauntless, it's it's taking that Western approach and it's really accessible. So, for example, matchmaking is really easy and fast. I can just invite people from my PlayStation friend list and just play them with them easily. Whereas with Monster Hunter World, it was a whole thing to get that do done in the beginning. Um, the tutorial is really easy. The, 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 the mechanics of the game are pretty simple. And they explain you really clearly and how all the things work. I think I'm in an hour and a half right now. Um, 
it looks really pretty. I like the cartoony style of it. Um, it plays really nice. It's just really simple. There's this heavy and the light button, and then you can mash it up a little bit. Um, okay. You always, if you join a hunt, you always play with four people, and you just get matchmaking into that, which is also really fast. Um, I like it. And when the funny thing is that you talked about the Switch version, but when I was playing it, I really thought this would be a perfect game for the Switch. And I, oh. and I couldn't remember at that moment if I thought, hey, is this a game that got announced for the Switch or is coming to Switch? And then you just mentioned that it's coming to the Switch in the winter of 20... Yeah, it, the, the Nintendo Switch website, uh, the Nintendo website only says winter 2019. So uh, honestly, that's probably some before the, the year is over at the very yeah, least. Yeah, I think it will be an amazing game to play on the Switch. I think the style of it fits really on the, nice on the Switch. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to play that game on the go on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that because it's an online game. Yeah. And um, it has to compete with Monster Hunter Ultimate, uh, Monster Hunter uh, Generations, uh, Generations Ultimate on Switch, which is already out and is you don't have to play online if you want if you don't want to. So there's a big difference in there. So yeah. I'm kind of curious. This is free to play. Monster Hunter. It is free to play, but I'm curious if the Monster Hunter fan base would jump ship to Dauntless. I don't know. The, the funny thing is, is it's free to play, but it kind of incorporates the Fortnite model in which you have a, instead of a battle pass that you have in Fortnite, you have a hunts pass, and then you can get extra rewards and extra XP and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I'm not a fan, but the game is not harassing me constantly to buy the hunts pass, whereas with Fortnite, yeah, I really feel cool. like I have to have the battle pass which I did buy once and never actually got the value out of it. Different story. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend people to play Dauntless. It's a free-to-play game. You can download it on Xbox, PC, and PS4, and hopefully soon on Switch. Yeah. And the last... Oh, oh yeah. little FYI, one of the co-founders did indeed used to work for Riot Games and Bioware and Ubisoft. Damn, okay. Oh, that's, quite, that's nice. That's quite an impressive list. But uh, yeah, they're all like former AAA guys uh, there. So from different, you know, companies have mm. had different uh, careers, uh, career lines. So. It felt like a Dragon Age kind of game in the beginning when I started playing it on the PC. And now it really feels like it's found its own identity. Yeah, it, it took a, I think it took a while because a lot of people were like, well, it looks like an interesting game, but it feels kind of generic. I, yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of depth to it either, or let me in in a way of progression or as a story, or at least maybe that's because I'm not that far in. But I I had instances in which I was playing it, and I was thinking like, okay, is this something I can keep on doing for ten hours if it keeps going at this pace? So I do hope that the game shakes things up a bit. Hmm. But then again, I wonder if Monster Hunter also has that because basically it's go out, slay a monster, come back. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it's like the I mean it's a it's a I hate the term it's a live game so it's going to evolve with time yeah. I mean even even um what's it called again wasn't you know born in a day Fortnite and <laughs> sheesh so it's actually oh, funny okay. how Fortnite became what it was because initially it was the save the world mode kind of the zombie tower yeah. defense mode. And, the, and now nobody's even talking yeah. about that one. I and think you still have, still have to pay for, pay for that. Whereas when they initially announced that, they said, 
it's going to be free to play that mode and that and mode that, was and that, two and years that mode ago, is not even ago. available on mobile or on switch yeah. so go figure that one and the funny thing is is they constantly kept on saying oh yeah save the world's going to be free next year and then the year came and they say yeah it's going to be free next year and i believe that's four years ago or three years ago yeah okay so all the all the founders came the last job that they had was at riot ah okay nice yeah like so, like two of them were from Bioware before, and one of them was from uh, some other game company. I forgot real quick, but yeah. Bottom line, they all came from Riot before that, so that also kind of makes sense as to what kind of game they would make, and the fact that it's also a free to play game. So, and that it's a multiplayer game, it it, it all adds up. Right up. I will definitely. The last game I played is uh, I'm finally started Breath of the Wild again. Woo! But uh, yeah, yeah the, man, the annoying part is, yeah. But no, no, no. Just yeah, I told you this before. So I had a Switch before, and be mm -hmm. when I had the Switch, Switch Online didn't exist or whatever it's called. So I had, I was in the desert part, you know, where you have to find the second Titan or Colossus or whatever it's called again. I was in that desert yeah. part. And for my feeling, I was pretty far in, and. I never got to put that save somewhere because the, the save system of the Switch is so amazing that I can just bring my save anywhere. So now I have to start all over again because I sold my Switch and now I'm in the I'm literally at the part that I have to dis uh, explore the first four f uh, shrines or something. Yeah. So I'm on top of the, s the snow mountain and I'm at that shrine right now. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That was... Oh. Whoops, sorry about that. I forgot to uh, Ding. turn on. Do not disturb on my view. But again, still, I I love the graphical style. It's really it's really pretty. And I know. I, right? I love making food. You know, when you just grab some food and throw yeah. it in a bowl, and then the <laughs> song you hear just makes me happy. Um, Have you made dubious food already? Not yet. No, I did in the when I first played it, but. I you know that's one of, it's those it's those small things and I think I mentioned this word it's those small things that just add up that make this so amazing because when I was initially playing it months ago with the, for example how I discovered the food part that I just randomly picked food and threw it in on the fire I didn't know it was possible so I thought let me just try this out and it, and I just made some food and that was so amazing and I had the same thing with the tree I saw a tree and thought maybe I can climb this tree let me just see what I can do and I just climb the tree. Or it was this, uh, uh, I needed to cross a gap and there were trees in front of it. And I had an axe and I thought, maybe I can chop up this tree and then just drop it and then use it as a bridge. And I could. And then <laughs> I thought, you know what, maybe if I chop some more on this tree, I can get wood. And I could. I, it's all those small little things that just that add, add up, up that make yeah. this game so amazing. And I'm really happy that I stepped into this game. Because I don't know if, if it was another Zelda game that I, if I would have played that, I would have loved it as much as this. Because I don't, honestly, I don't think you would. No, I don't think so as well. And I'm Are really happy to step like, into this. Especially one. if you played the last game that came before it. No, no, no. You would have hated it. The last game was Twilight Princess? Skyward, oh, no, Skyward, Skyward Sword, Sword for, the, for the Wii. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not an inherently bad game, but it's a very hand holding game. Like the game holds your hand a lot. Mm, okay. I mean, even even the even the series producer acknowledges that, yeah, they held the player's hand a bit too much. Maybe that they was an over to be accessible for a bigger audience. 
Exactly. They overcompensated with that, yeah. which is something they did a lot in the Wii era for some reason, and I don't know why. But um, yeah, especially that game had a lot of handholding. Hmm. I, I really like it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the sequel. Yeah, Oof, next year is going to be a good year. Uh, yeah, I think Oof. it's going to come out next year. We had this conversation. I think it's going to come out around the time that the new Xbox and PlayStation come out, so Nintendo can still have this amazing game to steal the thunder. Oh, definitely, yeah. 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 But yeah, basically, I'm I'm still in the beginning area, and I don't know, maybe it's lately that I have just a lot of stuff on my mind. I'm so busy with other stuff that every time I think, oh, let me just grab my Switch and I want to play something, I'm like, Meh, I'll just watch a series for now. I just I have to be in the mood to play it. But once yeah. once I'm in the mood, I play for a couple of hours. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the weather or something. Ah, probably, man. I I I also feel more like I mean, um, I've been watching this show also again with a friend of mine that we we postponed mostly because uh because uh because of stuff. Um, but now we're back into it, and it's just fun watching that and just, you know, getting under the covers because it's a bit chilly. But, uh, yeah, but sometimes I do that, and I grab my Switch and play some Dragon Quest Eleven and just play the game and watch the cutscenes and play more of the game. And the cutscenes are so fun. Like, the thing that I didn't expect to enjoy more was the English... It's funny that you should mention it because I was about to say that. That's the only thing that's kind of cringy for me about Dragon Quest. That the voice acting is so varied that suddenly somebody's talking British, some suddenly somebody's talking Scottish, some suddenly yeah, but, somebody's talking. See, but that's the thing. Uh, that American. is how Dragon That's how Dragon Quest has always been written. But since Dragon Quest has never had voiceovers before, ever, like ever, yeah. this is the first time you're actually hearing how it's supposed to sound instead of you trying to think of how it's supposed to sound. Were there never getting... voiceovers? No, not even in the ones that were on console. Wow, okay. Dragon Quest Eight did not have voiceovers. It was all text. Wow. And it's just... So, the, the fact that you can now actually hear what they're saying and how it's written, you're like, okay, yeah, now it makes sense to hear it that way. When I switched to the Japanese, the Japanese voice acting is solid. But I still couldn't wrap my head around how it would sound if it was in English. So now I'm just playing it through in English. And the next time I play through it again, I'll play it through in Japanese. And that's fine, because at that point, I've heard all the dialogue in English. And it's so funny. And it and it makes sense, because that's what I've always figured... Um, it would sound like if it, if I, if Dragon Quest would finally get voice acting in it. So I'm really happy. I have it. to get used to it. Really cool. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to get used to it. But I've been used to the writing of Dragon Quests uh, since. It's funny because uh, Dragon the, Quest the first is Dragon all text based. Yeah, I know yeah. that's classic Dragon. Quest. I don't know if. Dragon Quest Builders 2 is text-based, but this one is all it text-based. Is. Yeah, there's no voice. Yeah, I, I miss that because when I read the lines, I'm like, oh, God, this is strange word. You imagine the characters talking, speaking, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> Be, you're the builder. You're so amazing. I'm like, oh. 
Yeah, but it, the, it's the accents that make it because you have all these different accents and I wonder if it is I really wonder if here. that's how they think people in Europe talk or they're like, oh yeah, we just grab all these random accents and that's probably oh, no, how no, no, it no, is. No, no, or... it, no, it's um there is a, there is method to the madness is because um what was it again? I think it had something to do with the fact that they always saw Dragon Quest or at least the 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 the, the director of the series always saw Dragon Quest, especially the localized version of Dragon Quest, as um, something that exists in a Western world and, of course, mostly British. So you have all these different British um, uh, speaking mannerisms and, and, uh, and um, accents in there, you know, Scottish, um, you know, like plain old English and a little bit of Welsh here and there, stuff like that. So yeah, it's always been there in the localization. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's Dragon Quest for you. Oh wow. All right. That's everything uh, I've been playing. If people will stick around, we'll switch on to our hidden gems, right? Yep, that's the one. So hang out tight, we'll be right back. <laughs> All righty, welcome back everybody to our hidden jam. Can I go first, or do you want to go? Uh, sure, dude. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about a game called Overcooked. Ooh, I, I like that game. game. So, a good game. Overcooked is a game in which you are um, a chef, and you need to you work in a kitchen, and you need to you get orders and you need to prepare those orders as fast as you can and get them out of the door as fast as you can it's the ultimate couch co-op party game there is um because you can the how it works is you have this fixed camera view you look at it from a kind of a top-down view and um the stages move as well so the first stage is just basically a kitchen and you have plates that you need to use to serve the food on, but you also need to wash the plates. You have to chop up the meat or uh, dice up the, the, for example, if you have, you have to, you get an order for a hamburger. So you have to grab bread, you have to grab lettuce, but you have to dice it up. You have to grab tomatoes and you have to dice that up as well. Then you have to dice up your meat and then put it in a frying pan and then fry it first and then take it off of that and, and then assemble it while under pressure for time. And that's, for example, the basic level. As you progress, the levels start adding twists, such as there's this one level on a pirate ship, and then, uh, <laughs> I don't know how they came up with that idea, but uh, because of the waves in the ocean, the level rocks, so then your working space shifts over. So one, one moment you're dicing up meat, and the other moment you have to put everything in a frying pan and assemble the meat while as you, while your team buddy has to dice it all up and give it to you. It's so fun and so hectic. The, the, the times that I have played it with friends, we started yelling at each other, screaming at each other, shouting, because you're so, it's so hectic and that makes it funny. Like, ah, oh, I need meat, meat, give me meat. Oh no, the food is on the on the stove too much because actually stuff can catch fire and then you have to put it out. And <laughs> oh my God, it's so uh, such a hectic game. And especially when those levels shift, you have to 
respond to it quickly because you can't be in your flow the whole time because your flow gets changed up. Um, the funny part is, is I only played the first one, but you can also uh, share play it with somebody through PlayStation. So if you don't have the game, I can share play it and we can virtually couch co-op, which works really, really well. Um, I played a lot of matches that way with a friend of mine. I was at a friend of mine's a couple of weeks back and his girlfriend and he were playing. And he started shouting at his girlfriend and yelling at his girlfriend. And she was freaking out and eventually he started, for fun, kicking her. He said, you're too slow. And she started screaming at him. And I was in the middle thinking, oh my God, in what kind of situation did I end up? But it's, <laughs> it's so much fun because it brings out the... the I wouldn't say the worst in somebody, but the most oh, no, fanatic. It, it definitely brings out the worst. It, I love it, and I know I've. I, there's a sequel. I haven't played the sequel, but I if have. it's if it's as fun as the first one, um, it's definitely a game that everybody should play. You've played oh. the second one, right? Yep, on Switch together with uh, my good buddy uh, J Prof, and uh, we actually since you know this was back when. The Nintendo Online app wasn't available yet, so we used, uh, I think, Discord to do voice chat because they actually introduced online multiplayer to the second game, and they added a bunch of new mechanics. Um, so one of the new and vital mechanics is that you now can throw your ingredients. Oh, that's nice. So, you couldn't do that so, one in the first one. You could only dash, grab, yeah. and dice. Yeah, you can dash, grab, dice, and throw. Oh, that's nice. So that helps a lot because now you have kitchens that are sometimes divided into two segments, and one is only on one island and the other is on the other island. Yeah, yeah, just and like you in the have first. to, tr and you have to either put it on a conveyor belt, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. gets to the other person, or you have to throw it. Oh, that's because nice. the conveyor belts are slow. Yeah, and I remember people that tend from to first make one. mistakes, and even with throwing, people tend to make mistakes yell at them you want to slap them and tell them that they should stop cleaning the dang plates and dice the dang meat already i that's what i love about this game it brings out that that fanatic side of people and that's what makes it so fun oh no it brings out the worst side of people like i said before <laughs> kind of like monopoly <laughs> <laughs> no 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 no. monopoly is calculated this is just chaos oh, you're an chaos. absolute i chaos. love that chaos it's so nice <laughs> Yeah. But we can play games, me me and J Prof, we can play games and we're fine, you know, even multiplayer games, co-op games. But I think when we played Over uh, Overcooked 2, I don't think I have that I don't think we have been yelling at each other as much playing a video game as we did playing Overcooked 2. <laughs> oh man. I, I think I'll buy the second one cuz it's it's just so much fun, you know. Yeah, I was at a birthday a while back and people were playing it there and I just thought this is the perfect game yeah there's a reason why it has the nickname of friendship ender because i am convinced that it could probably end a lot of friendships nice. <laughs> or even if you're in a relationship oh my God. <laughs> you might end up breaking up or at least sleeping on the couch uh, that night uh, if you say something <laughs> stupid oh man yeah i'm pretty sure that a lot of people ended up sleeping on the couch <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just if you think about it, the concept is so simple, it is and so that what that's what makes it so amazing. I think. Yeah, 
and it's so cute too yeah like you you end up unlocking like different avatars it could be like a cat or a dog or it's you whatever. even have a character in a wheelchair which can really dash fast in the oh, level that's yeah. so cool yeah he's still in this he's still in overcooked too by the way i would always make this joke and when we would start the game i'd say let's roll and then for the guy the friend of mine i was playing with was in a crack wheelchair, that's really creepy because he has no legs I haven't looked. I mean, okay, they technically don't. Part, but... I mean, technically, they don't have legs, so they're just kind of floating to begin with, which makes it all the more weird that he's in a wheelchair. I think you're overthinking it right now. Please don't make this game. <laughs> I still want to play this game. <laughs> the game is weird, man. Seriously, I love it. Uh, but in the second game, you're trying. Uh, you're not feeding the masses. You end up trying to feed zombie bread. What? Yeah, it's. The game gets really weird. Oh. I mean, you start off feeding the masses, but it's the backdrop of the sto- of the story in quotes is that you're preparing yourself to cook for the for the for the for the living bread, and okay. uh, yeah, they're very picky and very um, impatient. So you have to bring your skills up to a certain point. That's the whole point of the game. Mm, okay. Yeah, those levels are really tough because those are essentially the boss battles. Yeah. So yeah, it gets really tough. Wow. Yeah. We we got really close to the end, but at a certain point we couldn't take the pressure anymore. We keep making mistakes and we keep yelling at each <laughs> other. So we're like, you know what? Um, we'll come back to it. And it's been two years since <laughs> we haven't played the games. <laughs> I'm invited to to a game night in a couple of weeks, and uh, we, we wanted to play stuff like Cards Against Humanity or Monopoly or whatever. But I think I'm actually going to propose to play Overcooked that day. Yeah, I mean, buy it on Switch, or you can bring it along and bring your dock and put it in there, and everybody can play. Oh no, no, no! We do this the proper way. We play this on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Sure, dude. <laughs> Anyways, that's my hidden gem. What's yours? All right, so this is going to be a Game Rivals exclusive. Oh, God. Because this is the first time I'm going to talk about a JRPG on Xbox? Dum, dum, dum. (laughs) Yeah, that's the biggest money you could probably get for that one. Because um, the game that I want to talk about is a Xbox 360 exclusive called Eternal Sonata. Um, If you've heard my if if you heard the previous episode where I talk about um, Tales of Destiny, it's kind of like that in terms of the battle mechanics, but it's a 3D uh, engine instead of a 2D engine, so it's this semi um, uh, action uh, 3D uh, the 3D uh, JRPG battle mechanic, but the battles are still randomized, but you can see the enemies in the overworld. Um, but that is not the main hook of this game. Well, that is part of it, because, you know, with any good JRPG, you have a good battle mechanic. But the other aspect of this game is its story, just like any other good JRPG. And this story revolves around the last days of Chopin. The composer? The composer. Yeah. What? How do they make a JRPG around that? <laughs> well, put Chopin in a coma in his last living days because Chopin died young and have his mind, spirit, 
whatever you want to call it, being transported to another world where music reigns supreme and you use musical-based weapons to defeat your foes. So, so for example, one of the, oh, it's been a really long time. So, for example, Chopin uses a... Oh, dang, what does he use? I think he uses a, a baton to actually uh, defeat enemies. One of them uses a, 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 a sword-like violin. The other one uses a... Oh, it's been so long. Um, I'm really doing the That sounds one. like a really violent... Uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a JRPG, so there's obviously going to be battles, and the battles are really interesting because it is, like I said, more action oriented, kind of like Tales of Destiny is. Um, not made by the same people though. This one was made by the same people that made the Star Ocean games. So if you've played those, then you kind of can imagine what kind of gameplay you're in for. But it's a really pretty game and. You know, like many of the other um, non, not successful attempts at getting the Japanese fans to buy an Xbox, this too kind of fell on deaf ears in Japan. And I don't think I, th I think it got a PC port later, but yeah, it's basically kind of trapped on the Xbox 360. I remember that time that that Microsoft was pushing a lot of Japanese developers to make Xbox games. Yeah, I think that's we why got, we got uh, stuff Lost like Odyssey, Odyssey and Blue Dragon. And Blue Dragon, yeah. yeah. But you kind of never heard anything from those games anymore. And we also got 99 Nights, kind of like a super high fidelity, uh, what's it called? The Dynasty Warriors kind of game? Exactly, yeah. So, unfortunately, it is stuck on that system. The, the, the game looks pretty for the time. Um, it still kind of holds up because it's all this stylized um, look to it. The animation might be a bit stiff, but other than that, the voice acting is not half bad. It's a really fun game. I will admit that I never finished the game, but that's partially because at the time, I the reason why I bought an Xbox 360 was because um, a friend of mine wanted to play Halo 3 with him, and I bought it because it was at least a JRPG and something that I can get into. Oh, Halo 3. I love that game. And, I mean, I enjoyed the game enough, and I still want to finish that game one these days. And honestly, it's just, it's the reason why I still not only own the game, but still own an Xbox 360. I mean, it's not hooked up to anything, but if I wanted to, I can hook it up to one of my monitors in my in my office or on the TV if I really wanted to, but I'm not that desperate. <laughs> but um, but if there if there is a game that I w would hook up that the 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 Xbox 360 to to the big TV in my living room again, it would be that game because if I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna play it right. Wow, which is a real shame because honestly, I think it would be better if they just ported the game to other systems already. If they haven't ported it to PC, at the very least, port it to PC. But I think Microsoft, I think it was, no, it was Namco that published it. So, yeah, that's never going to happen. No. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll yeah. make a remaster out of it. Or Namco is not, 
Honestly, Namco is not that good about doing remasters unless it's a Tales of game. Every anything else they don't really give that treatment to. The Tales of Games is a really big exception, and even then it depends on which Tales of game it is. So I did not I mean that. I tried to like after we talked about Tales of Destiny, I tried to look if I can buy a new copy of Tales of Destiny. That game goes for way too much on eBay. Like the cheapest one I saw was less than a hundred year, a uh, hundred bucks. What? Yes, a hundred bucks. Like a complete set that is not the Japanese version because for whatever reason it is flooded with the Japanese version. And even then, I have my doubts because the screen, the the photos, don't look legit. They look like they just burned it and then photocopied the 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 the, the cover. But uh, yeah, a lot of the Japanese version, for some reason, those are the only ones that are relatively cheap compared to the rest. When I say relatively cheap, I still mean 60 bucks. <laughs> because it's complete in-box sealed, which anybody can do. Wouldn't want to so, be scammed out of your money, would you know? Oh, exactly. So yeah, my um, my quest to getting another copy of Tales of Destiny is going to be a long one because apparently that game is harder to find than, I don't know, a Leprechaun's Gold or something. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. So, yeah, um, that's Eternal Sonata for me. Um, I would, like, I think it's relatively easier to find than Tales of Destiny. If you have an Xbox 360 lying around, get it. It's kind of a shame that they're kind of winding down on the whole uh, backwards compatibility on Xbox One because if they added, I don't know if they added Eternal Sonata to it. I'm I may have to look it up later, but if it is added to it, pick it up, play it on your Xbox One. If not, if you have an Xbox Three Sixty lying around and you feel like playing a fun JRPG that is not Final Fantasy, um, a Tales of game, kinda. Uh, or any of the other main RPG JRPG lines, then Eternal Sonata is a really nice distraction, especially because of the story. The story is really weird. It's but in a fun not backwards compatible. That's unfortunate. At least double check that again. Nope, that is... it is not backwards compatible. Ah. Come on, uh, Namco Bandai, get on that stuff, man. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not even kidding. Get on that stuff. But, uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of another Game Rivals. Thank you guys so much for listening once again. Um, you can find us on any of the podcasting apps, as always. Just look up Game Rivals. You can find us on Apple Podcast. Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Overcast, or wherever you listen uh, to your podcast to. You can also now find us on YouTube on uh, Game Rivals. Um, It's a bit difficult to find us because apparently there are a whole bunch of people naming their channel Game Rivals, which is not cool. But uh, if you just look up Game Rivals uh, Zelda Unboxing, you'll find our channel right away. You can't miss it. It has the awesomest logo. Um, made by, of course, Beatmall1. Follow him on at Beatmall1. 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well, at game underscore rivals underscore. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Maximilian. You can always send us an email with your feedback, question, comments, whatever, at gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, we also leave a link in the description of the podcast where you can leave your audio comments. So if you want to be featured on the podcast once, just leave us a voice message. You don't even need to sign up for Anchor to do it. And you might be featured on one of our episodes. Um, I guess that's it. Um, do you have anything else to add, Sean Templar, before we sign off? I just want to thank everybody. That's what I, it's kind of like my standard answer right now, but I'm just so grateful for everybody just that just listens in every two weeks. Um, you know, the supporting messages we get, people that are enthusiastic. Um, some people have become promoters of who I would never expect it to be. Uh, <laughs> I was at a, at a drink a couple of weeks ago and I ran into someone I hadn't seen in a while for a while and never said, Hey, I actually heard you had a podcast and it's so awesome. And I heard it from that and that, and that person was so, awesome, so enthusiastic. I was kind of amazed by it. It was like, oh, and my reaction was, Oh my God, that's so embarrassing that you have to hear it through that and that and that way. Said, no, it's so cool. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's just you're not used to some people being so so enthusiastic about it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. It's just getting used to. Um, yeah, it is really nice to hear it from people. Yeah. yeah. So I want to thank those people. I want to thank everybody that, that tunes in and that tells us, hey, I love this or I love that. Or maybe you should think about this. And, you know, the feedback is it's welcome. So please keep it coming and yeah. only get better that way. Um, and don't forget to continue to spread the word around so that the game rivals love it. yeah and, and exactly yeah. But that's basically my finishing message thank you all yeah thanks uh, we really appreciate it once again um, so for this week this has been Maximilian X and I'm Sean Templer and we'll see you all guys again next time